0: If we were calling the shots, what would the 2023 Miami Dolphins offseason look like? I'm glad you asked. That's this week on Locked On Dolphins, our entire blueprint on how to take the Miami Dolphins to the next level. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs of Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. Here on the Locked on Network today is Monday, March 6th, 2023. About a week and a half away from the start of free agency, which means as the NFL Combine wraps up, we are getting ready to kick into a whole slew of roster moves for all 32 teams across the league. Today on the show, we are introducing our personal offseason blueprint for what the Dolphins offseason could and, in my opinion, should look like to help this team transition to get to the next level as a team that is looking to compete. That's everything from contracts, roster moves, free agent signings, full seven-round Miami Dolphins mock draft, uh, salary cap, all of this. This week on Locked on Dolphins. If you're not familiar with the show, welcome. Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, clearly. Um, And if you were to ever check out the YouTube channel, this would be the week. uh, Because there's going to be a lot of really cool uh, visual aids to kind of help as we go through this. But if you are an audio-only listener, no worries. Uh, I've been at the podcast game long enough that I can make sure that you get everything you need to know, whether you want to watch or or listen along for the ride. Uh, So with that in mind, let's dive in. We have our Miami Dolphins 2023 offseason blueprint. This has been something that I have been working on for the past month uh, in a a pretty substantial amount of depth. I mean, we are rolling the salary cap out for three seasons, looking at all the players under contract, We're not just saying, oh, we're going to max restructure Tyreek Hill. Well, what does that mean? What are the implications of that? And being able to take all the pieces of the puzzle together is kind of the goal here, because it's one thing to have an opinion on any roster maneuver that you make. But does it all actually fit together in a way that is feasible for the Dolphins, not just in 2023, but in 2024 and 2025 as this Super Bowl winning window Continues. So the first thing we have to do as we sit here right now is the Dolphins are over $10 million over the salary cap. And I've identified a couple of rudimentary moves uh, that I think is necessary for the Dolphins uh, to get under the salary cap in a very timely manner. Now, um, my assessment of some of the players, again, this is my assessment of some of the players. I'm not saying this is predictive or what's going to happen but I'm just saying this is what I would do. So if I were starting things off, the roster transactions that I would make to get the team started, to get the momentum going, is I would waive three players, tight ends Durham Smythe and Seton Carter, and cornerback Keon Crosson. That saves the Dolphins nearly $8.5 million in cap space for 2023 with next to zero dead money incurred, just one million million in dead cap. So... Uh, waiving those three players very suddenly gets you right on the doorstep. Uh, you'd also waive Byron Jones uh, with a post-June 1st designation. Uh, this one doesn't have to be done right away, um, but it is one of the things that will give you some short-term cap relief, $3.54 million, and then uh, $10.05 million of extra relief that comes on June 1st. And that $10 million of extra relief that you get, you get because that becomes dead money for the 2024 season. I'd look to trade Emmanuel Agba and Cedric Wilson. And obviously those trades can't be tra- that those trades can't be processed until the league calendar year flips over uh, because it is well, there is no business to be done until you flip the switch. But you can trade Emmanuel Agba and you can save over $10 million. I think it's over $11 million in cap space. The dead cap hit uh, for Emmanuel Logbo with a trade is $6 million. His cap hit this year is currently scheduled to be over $17. Cedric Wilson, uh, you would incur a $2 million dead cap. You'd save $6 million against the cap. So those two players combined saves you over $17.1 million against the cap with $8 million in dead cap added. So you can do the math very quickly and see 17 plus three and a half plus eight and a half. You're going to be in the green for spending power with these transactions. Now, understanding that these transactions don't happen linear, right? But the jump, you go from just over $15 million over the salary cap to with those maneuvers, $13.88 million under the salary cap by moving on from players who largely did not give you contributions anywhere worth almost $30 million in in swing between Byron Jones, who didn't play last year, Emmanuel Agba, who did not play to the standard of the previous two seasons before he tore his triceps and missed the end of the season, Cedric Wilson, who is a free agent signing, who would have got a better opportunity if the opportunity had not been there for for Tyreek Hill to become a Miami Dolphin. And that one's kind of hard to play the blame game on. But nevertheless, it's now a contract the Dolphins need to move on from. And then uh, Seathan Carter, who missed all but one game this season. Uh, Keon Crossan, who battled his rear end off all year long with a shoulder injury, but was pressed into a bigger role for the team than what he ideally probably should have been. And uh, Durham Smythe, who's in a contract year, who was probably the most reliable tight end the Dolphins had, but it was probably one of the most underwhelming rooms on the Dolphins roster. So... That's kind of the first building blocks, and I know these things can, can happen in all different kinds of orders, but I thought this would be the helpful way to lay out the maneuvers that I would make. So the first orders of business would be, for me, would be making the necessary roster transactions to clear the space that we need to at least get started. You can also accomplish exactly that by going through and doing some uh, contract renegotiations for players currently under contract. So that, my mind goes to Tyreek Hill, goes to Bradley Chubb. It goes to Christian Wilkins. There's some opportunity here. I also think Connor Williams uh, is a good candidate. You know, I'd like to see the team extend Robert Hunt as well. But Connor Williams is the one who has the big money salary cap hit for 2023. He's currently scheduled for $8.375 million in cap space. So I have some proposed extensions for these players. They're ballparked as best as I can. Uh, Guessing player value with contracts is one of the things that I am more passionate about as far as the team building perspective uh, across the entire NFL, but you can max restructure Tyreek Hill and Bradley Chubb. And I would do both. Um, I would put one void year on the back end of Tyreek Hill's contract uh, just to continue to space out that guaranteed money just a little bit more. Uh, Bradley Chubb and Tyreek Hill with a max restructure can earn you more than $34 million in cap space. So, so let that sink in. All the maneuvers that the Dolphins were proposed to make in cuttings, trimming some fat off the roster, taking two Hallmark players who could be here for the next three, four, five seasons, and just redistributing their money to some degree gets you more cap space. With two with two players. The fun thing about the Tyree kill contract, and I don't know that this has ne- necessarily been talked about, but there is an extra layer to the Tyree kill contract other than what has just been put in to uh, the spot track or over the cap discussion for the uh, renegotiation or restructuring of that contract. And we're going to talk about that as well as continuing this blueprint. As soon as they tell you about our friends over at Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are absolutely positively delicious. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. It's the life hack you didn't know you needed, but you definitely need in your life. I mean, we're we're talking 130 calories, 4 grams of fat, 17 grams of protein. You can get these at Bilt.com. You can go to Walmart. You can go to Sam's Club go to Built.com, they got the whole selection. You can go to Walmart, get yourself a four-bar box in the pharmacy section, or you can go to Sam's Club and get the big box, the 13-bar box, which is what I personally would recommend because, as I said, Built Bar is the life hack you didn't know you needed. So make sure you swing over to your nearest Walmart, Sam's Club, or Built.com and get yourself a box. So the Tyreek Hill contract, Obviously, there is base salary restructure, and we kind of went over his contract in length uh, last week on the show, along with Bradley Chomps. But there's a $10 million roster bonus that you can also reassign as a signing bonus. So this is not just going to SpotTrack.com, hit max restructure, and it spits out the number. Well, no, because the ros- you can play with the roster bonus, too, and reassign it as a signing bonus. So it gets you another $7.5 million in cap space potentially more if you kick it out over a void year, can make you another $8 million in cap space. So I'm restructuring Bradley Chubb. I'm restructuring Tyreek Hill. I am signing Connor Williams to a three-year, $25.5 million contract extension. That would take his cap hit for 2023 from $8.375 million to $5.375 million. So you're saving $3 million in cap space by extending Connor Williams for a longer period of time. And I can tell you right now, when we get to the end of this roadmap, there's going to be 26 players under contract for 2025. And the Dolphins will have over $70 million in cap space at their disposal. And the 26 players are largely members of the rookie class for what we just signed and your hallmark players uh, that, that are going to be your cornerstones for this entire competitive window that you have. So this is not a matter of, well, you're signing Connor Williams and you're saving $3 million here, but you're screwing the pooch down the road. And, and it's, it, that, that's not the case. And I would offer Christian Wilkins a four-year $77.25 million extension. Uh, that puts him in a stratosphere between $18 and $20 million per year as far as the new money on the New Year's on the deal but then obviously he has the 10.753 million dollars this year. Uh so it ends up being a 5 year 87 88 million dollar contract in total for Christian Wilkins. And again, you know, th- this is all laid out when we get to the end, the very end of this series, however many days it takes us to get through. We'll have the full cap breakdown for 2023, 2024 and 2025. And Wilkins and that contract are accounted for, as well as those contract restructures, as well as all the roster moves that we're making. But this this puts you now in a position where you have over fifty five million dollars in cap space, and post June first, you have sixty five million dollars in cap space. And I don't think any of this is reasonable. You're going to extend Connor Williams, who's one of one of the better centers in football last year. Okay. I think we, we'd all probably sign ourselves up for that. Christian Wilkins, we all know we want to be here for as long as possible. Tyreek Hill and Bradley Chubb are going to be here based on what the Dolphins paid to get them. And you trimmed some fat off the roster. And you went from 15 to $55.7 million. And that's why the number one most important thing for me to do was to get this episode out on Monday... Because now that the combine is coming to a close, this could start at any point, right? These maneuvers can start to go. You can start to see the Dolphins restructuring money here. You've seen some teams like the New Orleans Saints across the league already start to do it. The roadmap to getting spending power is quite simple for the Dolphins. The question is, what do you do now that you have $55 million at your disposal, and then $65 million at your disposal after June 1st. And I think that the extra $10 million bump is going to be helpful for not just June 1st signings, but also if you squeeze yourself too tight to sign your rookies and get your rookies under contract, you can wait until the extra $10 million of Byron Jones's money converts to 2024 and then use the $10 million to get all your rookies in your class under contract. So what, would, what we would be left with is 36 players under contract for the Dolphins and suddenly $55 million in spending power off the jump. It's remember, important to remember in the offseason, only your top 51 salary cap hits count against the cap. Obviously, when you flip to 53 and you trim the roster, you have to be compliant. But right now, it's your top 51 that you have to have account for. I think one thing that we probably need to talk about before we go any further is the trade values of Emmanuel Agba and Cedric Wilson. Uh, I don't think you're getting anything better than a midday three pick for either player. I think that's the unfortunate reality of the contracts. Now, Cedric Wilson, um, it's a two-year deal. The money is modest. Uh, teams aren't have to, having to worry about guaranteed money. Uh, he don't be owed $6 million this year against the cap. $7 million this year against the cap, and I think I think the, the $2 million is $1 million in prorated money uh, for each of the next two seasons. Is there a team that's picking late in the draft who kind of knows they're they're not going to be in, in the market to trade a draft pick for a DeAndre Hopkins out there? Uh or doesn't feel good about this rookie class. And I don't know that you really should feel great about the rookie class. It's Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison ran a four, five, four, four, nine at 173 pounds. And Jalen Hyatt, while he's a burner, he's more of a straight line athlete. You know, think about a team like the Dallas Cowboys where ironically enough, Cedric Wilson came from, would they flip a seven to bring Cedric back into the fray? Considering they'll probably get Ezekiel Elliott off the books and, and they're they, uh Jones just went on uh some media spot at the combine and was talking about the, the challenges of building out a supporting cast around a quarterback when you're paying your quarterback. Okay, like the guy's got good at sweat equity in your building. I think you could probably flip Cedric at the with the cost that he has for a seven. That's what I have in here. You, you might be able to do a pick swap and get something a little earlier, send Cedric in a seven for a six or something like that. But I'm operating in the assumption, and I'll always be conservative with these. I'm operating under the assumption that you could trade Cedric Wilson for a seven. Emmanuel Lagma is interesting because he's another multi-year contract, so it's not like it's a one-year rental. And if you can guarantee he's going to be healthy and he's going to play to the standard he set in Miami, I think there's a pretty good chance there, there's a, a reasonable market, enough to, to get a four or five. So I, I went with an early five just to be conservative. I sent him to Chicago when I did the mock draft just to get a pick in the early five range, a team that has a ton of cap spending ability, a team that needs defensive line help. You'd certainly think Brian Flores in, in Minnesota now as the defensive coordinator would be interested I think the challenge is Minnesota from a cap perspective is in worse shape than the Dolphins are. I mean, they're they're talking about stripping down Dalvin Cook and and this that and the other thing. So, I sent Agba for a five, and I sent Cedric Wilson for a seven. So when we get to the mock draft, just bear in mind there's going to be a couple extra picks on the Dolphins' docket. What I'd like to make sure I finish with today, as we go through the Dolphins' offseason blueprint. Is address the roster that's in place with the players that are, after I'm making mine moves, extending Connor Williams, extending Christian Wilkins, restructuring Tyree Kill, restructuring Bradley Chubb, cutting Keon Cross and Seathan Carter and Durham Smythe, trading Manuel Agba, trading Cedric Wilson, cutting Byron Jones. What is the roster assessment of the nucleus that's in place? Because before you start making any moves, it's important for you to have the perspective that you need on what the status is of your roster. And while we've talked about it, what we haven't done is we haven't gone over the roster assessment since the end of the season. There's been changes to the classifications of players. If you've missed this series in the past, what we do is we take all the players on the Dolphins roster and we score them on a number of different um, tiers for the quality that they bring to the table. Roster cornerstones. Quality starters, adequate starters, replacement level players, quality depth pieces, non-roster caliber players, incomplete evaluations, practice squad, p- developmental players, and then rookies. Obviously, there's no rookies on the roster just yet. And we'll have to wait until we get through the mock draft to, to update the, the roster and see what that looks like. But what we have, if you go by skill position, offensive line, defensive line, back seven, specialists, Tua Tungvaloa came into last season scored as an adequate starter. He scored as a quality starter because his questions are not with level of play. But I did not feel comfortable rating Tua Tungvaloa as a roster cornerstone based on two things. The state of his contract and the questions of durability. if the Dolphins put Tua Tungvaloa down with a long-term contract this offseason? Guess what? When we do the next roster assessment, He's going to be scored as a roster cornerstone because he's a long-term player here and he's a quality starter. I have Skyler Thompson down as a practice squad developmental player. I think he's got a lot of work to do. I think he, he had a great preseason. I think he did admirably with the situations that he was placed in consistently being thrown into games um, on short notice. But the efficiency was not there. So there's... opportunistic for growth. If you wanted to make an argument as an incomplete evaluation. Sure. You can make that evaluate. You can make that argument. Our only back under contract is Alec Ingold, who from a fullback perspective is an adequate starter in my eyes. You have two roster cornerstone players at wide receiver and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Tyreek Hill after the max restructure with both the roster bonus and the base salary that he has, his salary cap would be just over $12 million this year be a great situation for the Dolphins to find in, and Tyreek Hill would not sacrifice a single cent of his money. Eric Azucama, the day three draft selection last year. Um, Incomplete evaluation, Braylon Sanders, practice squad developmental type player. And then at tight end, after cutting Seathen Carter and Durham Smythe, he'd be left with just Hunter Long and Tanner Conner. Hunter Long is an incomplete evaluation. Tanner Conner is a practice squad developmental player, even though he played um, on the 53 and played special teams I I guess if if you also wanted to argue he was an incomplete evaluation, that's fine because we really don't know what the ceiling is there. But you have to feel good about the fact that you have a quarterback and two-star wide receivers that is a quality starter and two roster cornerstones. It gives you the identity of your offense. I thought it was interesting that Mike McDaniel, when he was asked about qualities and running backs that he was looking for, he made sure to point out that there were a lot of really good players around the running back position on the Dolphins roster so any player that they're looking for, they want to sync with that. He shifted the offensive line for all the discussion that exists about the offensive line. I actually think the state of the roster um, is pretty promising. You have Teron Armstead as a roster cornerstone. He's under, ter- he's under contract long-term. So while yes, there's some durability questions there. Uh, he's under contract for the next four seasons. So expectation is we should should continue to see him now the rest of the offensive tackle situation as it stands right now there's a little bit of work to do austin jackson down as a replacement level player at this point in his career um i thought last year was the incomplete evaluation i mean you're you're now far enough in three years into his pro career you haven't gotten any consistent stretches of quality play yet so unfortunately that, that classifies you as a replacement level player Keon Smith is a practice squad developmental type. Uh, but then on the inside, you have Robert Hunt and Connor Williams, both as quality starters. Robert Jones is a quality depth piece that if you need him to start for any stretch of time, you feel like you can get through and he can be an effective bridge player for you in that capacity. Robert Jones has really earned my respect with what his play has been this year. Uh, Lee Eikenberg, you could make the argument. The evaluation is incomplete because it was year two and he missed half the year with the injuries. Um, I'm going to be plenty happy to say that he is currently a replacement level player based on the uh, quality of play that's put on the field. And then Lester Cotton is under contract as well. He is a practice squad developmental caliber player. Uh, he's been in the league long enough that that's uh, the the book on him is kind of the book on him. And it just is what it is. So uh, again, you have three quality starters or plus in the second consecutive group on the offensive side of the ball. So you have six, half of your starting lineup. Never mind any additions that you make, quality starters are better. Imagine that being the case 12 months ago. Imagine that being the case. So um, you feel really good about the nucleus on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm here to tell you the, the nucleus on the defensive side of the ball is just as strong, especially when you start with the defensive front. Christian Wilkins, roster cornerstone, especially now that I have him under contract on a long-term deal, his salary cap hit with that four-year $77.25 million extension that I proposed uh, takes his cap hit to $6 million this year from 10.5. So uh, you get about $4.5 million in cap space in that capacity. Zach Sealer, I didn't get anything done with, uh, just because I'm going to be honest, I need the money. I need the money in free agency. So Zach Sealer is scheduled to enter this year on the last year of his deal at $3.225 million in cap space. He's a quality starter. On the edge, your two starting caliber players, Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips, are both under contract for several seasons. They're both really, really impactful players. I understand the book and the M.O. on Bradley Chubb was that he was brought in and underwhelmed but I think when he is at his best capacity in the same way that, well, you give it to, to to Ron Armstead and say, well, he's under contract, but there's some durability questions. Bradley Chubb has durability questions, but he plays through those durability questions. So at least you're getting games, even when he's banged up, unless obviously there's a serious injury that was incurred. I know he had a knee injury that cost him about 12 games a few years back, but, uh, I'm willing to give both Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips that roster cornerstone assessment. I have Rick Juan Davis. He, he moved down from last year to me. I had him as an adequate starter last year. I have him as an, uh, a quality depth piece. And then your other two pieces on the defensive line right now are practice squad developmental type players and Jalen Twyman and Josiah Bronson. Uh, your only other player of note on the edge, actually your only other player under contract right now on the edge is Cameron Good, the seventh-round pick last year uh, from Cal. He's an incomplete evaluation. But this is now the third consecutive group between the skill players, the offensive line, and the defensive line, where you have at least three quality starters or better as the nucleus of your group. It's a great place to be. Now, the evolving opinions of some of these guys Jalen Phillips, the tide is up. Zach Sealer, the tide is up. Christian Wilkins, the tide is up. Raquan Davis, the tide is down. But I think that's the biggest theme across all of these position groups thus far, based on what my previous, because I did this last offseason, I did this in season in 2020, and then I've done it in the off season. So this is the third time I've gone through the Dolphins roster, watched the tape, reassess the players. Rechecked my notes, looked at the trends of the players and the up and the down. Tua stock up, Waddle stock up, Robert Hunt stock up, Connor Williams. From where we were when we found out that they were thinking about kicking him in side as center, we all had questions. Stock up, Sealer stock up, Wilkins stock up, Phillips stock up. Like you got a lot of players that took really promising strides in twenty twenty two. It's not as romanticized in the back seven. I, I thought Jerome Baker, I had him as a quality starter at this time last year. I have him as an adequate starter. He's got two years remaining on his deal, and the cap numbers are, are going to start to bubble. I have him surviving the purge this year, uh, but would not be surprised if he ends up as a departure in 2024's offseason. Uh, because I, I know you can save $10 million against the cap by moving on from him next offseason. Channing Tindall, the team's top pick from last year, hardly played, incomplete evaluation. Uh, Xavier Howard, the stock is down. I had him as a roster cornerstone this time last year. Uh, He's a quality starter. Now I think if he didn't deal with the groin injury all season long, the narrative would probably be a little different if we didn't have a couple bogus, bogus uh, penalties called. He'd have a few more turnovers, made a couple more splash plays. Uh, but you do have the silver linings, Kater Kohu, uh, who, whether he's going to play nickel or outside, I think can qualify as a quality starter based on the tape that he put out last year. Tro Williams missed the whole year, incomplete evaluation. Noah Igbenagadi, replacement level player. Tino Ellis, the last corner currently under contract, that's a practice squad developmental type. Then you have Javon Holland as a roster cornerstone. Brandon Jones I have down as an adequate starter. I think there's a ceiling for him to go higher if he's able to get healthy and get right and be an impact player for the Dolphins this year. I think with the way Vic Fangio uses his safeties, you can really move him around. You can really make a nice impact. Uh, and then Verone McKinley, uh, the UDFA, who got pressed into action down the stretch as the Dolphins were pressed for DBs. And I have him as an incomplete evaluation. So um, I, I think what's really interesting about... Looking at the Dolphins uh, roster assessment now is the common themes. There's th- I have three replacement level players under contract right now for the Dolphins. Now there's some incomplete evaluations. There's practice squad developmental types that are, are not big time investments. But if you look at all the players, the, the snapshot of the Dolphins for the last three years, the times they got in trouble, Austin Jackson, Liam Eichenberg, Noeg Benigni. You drafted for need and you reached for it. So that is one of the big pillars of what I am going to try to do with my proposed free agency plan for the Dolphins is I want to avoid putting myself in a position where I have to draft for need. Because that, that's where stuff gets really slippery. Now, we, we do need to finish here. Uh, with the specialist, Jason Sanders, I do have him under contract. There is a little bit of, of guaranteed money that kicked in, according to Over the Cap, uh, for him. So he's not a clean break. I thought he redeemed himself down the stretch a little bit last year beyond the 50-plus yard makes or misses. Uh, you do not have a punter under contract. Blake Ferguson is an adequate starter as a long snapper. I have Jason Sanders as an adequate starter as a kicker. And then you have Byron Jones, Emmanuel Agba, Cedric Wilson, Durham Smythe, Seth, Carter. Uh, those are your dead cap money players, two replacement level players, a quality depth piece, an adequate starter, and then a quality starter. But the quality starter is a 30-year-old corner who missed all of last year with Achilles syndrome. So that sets the table. That sets the table for free agency. And I just told you what my number one prerogative is. I don't want to be put in a position where I get to the draft and I feel I have to have to draft somebody at a certain position because then you're backed in a corner and then you're going to get desperate and then you're going to overpay and then you're going to go up and you're going to draft a guy because the run started and you're afraid you're going to miss the boat. I don't want to live that life. I'm not planning on living that life. So that's why my free agency plan uh, is critical for the Dolphins and that is tomorrow's programming. So in short, extend Connor Williams, extend Christian Wilkins, restructure Tyreek Hill, Restructure Bradley Chubb, cut durham Smythe, Seathan Carter, Keon Crossan, waive Byron Jones per student 1st designation. And make sure you also try to find trade partners for Emmanuel Agba, and Cedric Wilson. You get all of that done, you're going to go from negative $15 million in cap space to $55.7 million in cap space with an additional $10 million opening up on June 1st. That sets the table for free agency. I have set the table for the week. So make sure you hit subscribe, click the like button, uh, hit, click the bell, get the notifications on YouTube. If you did not join us on YouTube, think about joining us on YouTube. i uh, going to have a chance to invest more into the YouTube channel as we go, really build that out, really excited for that. Hope you guys will join me on that journey as well. Kyle Krabs, make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, Miami Dolphins 2023 offseason blueprint. That is this week on the show. We hope to see you tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Finns up.